0: Well, I'm ex- super excited about Legacy Life and what it means for our Wednesday night program here at Christ Legacy. Can you say Amen? amen. Well, there's some people that are excited about that because you know the the truth of the matter is is that we need a church and a church family to bring a little bit of stability in our lives in this crazy world. <laughs> I mean, this world is just straight up nuts sometimes. Anybody just ever just take your TV and throw it out the window? well, you need to okay you you need to because if you turn on the TV, you listen to the radio for about five minutes, you get angry, you get scared, you get frustrated and and the truth of the matter is is that this I know that I hadn't been alive for very long, but I know I've been alive long enough to see a change in the atmosphere, the overall atmosphere, not just in our community, but throughout the United States and the world. We have seen and and heard and felt things that we never thought we would in a free society. The culture is absolutely unmistakably controlled by fear. I mean, all you have to do is understand the current crisis of events that we find ourselves in from COVID, making a pandemic around the world and finding its home, even inside of our community and our families, where the first round of COVID maybe was on the coast. And now all of a sudden we here in our community are experiencing family members that we know that we've lost and and sickness and death and funerals and, and wanting to be at a funeral, but not able to because of COVID. It hurts our hearts. And just recently where I was able to promise my kids that there would not be a mask mandate this year, they'd be able to go to school without masks. Now they have to go to school with masks again. Vaccinations. I don't think I have to go into that with you. Everybody has a stance on vaccinations. There's issues with our supply chain. Maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't. I've heard stories that if you know what you want for Christmas, you'd better go ahead and order it now and cross your fingers and hope that it gets here. There's issues with worker shortage. If you're in management right now, one of the biggest frustrations and headaches that you're experiencing is scheduling your workers because you don't have enough workers, but you have too much work. And which is ironic, since there's a since there's a high unemployment, but still a worker shortage. Wonder what's the problem there? Hmm. Then there's a food shortage, which is connected to our supply chain shortage, and then there's a change shortage because apparently no one uses money anymore. Then we turn our attention from the national stage to the world stage where recently we've pulled our soldiers out of Afghanistan. And we all know the debacle that has occurred. And our administration has broken its sacred oath never to leave a man behind. And citizens here and across the United States are trying to make good on a national promise by flooding the borders of Afghanistan with with help when, when the United States government has pulled out. All the while, it's hurt our reputation across the world. But I want you to know that the struggles that we experience have reverberated, not just in our community, not just in our state, not just in our nation, but even within the church world. And it's no surprise that Pastor Brooks would feel led by the Holy Spirit last week to speak on the end times because the time is short. Because at any moment, God willing, the trump shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised and those that are alive will be caught up in the air to meet him in his glory. And that is our great hope as a people of God. But. But the scripture tells us, and we see Jesus telling us in Luke chapter 21, verse 26. And by the way, as you're turning there, you can follow us in the Bible app. All you have to do is simply open the Bible app and, and click on that little settings menu. And then you go over to events and click on events. And you can find our church listed right there on the map. You click on the map and you can see some of the notes from Christ's legacy along with, along with uh, some of our announcements. So if you want to follow us along on the Bible app, I'd love for you to, I encourage that. But we see Jesus in Luke chapter 21, he he, he has a, a brief description of maybe what is going on on the inside of a person during the last days. He says, Luke chapter 21, verse 26, men's hearts will be failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Do you feel that this morning? Do you feel that that spirit descending upon the earth that is not the Holy Spirit, but instead I want to tell you that it's The problem that we're experiencing is not COVID, it's not masks, it's not even in the White House. The problem that the church is experiencing this moment is the church is grappling with a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. And as we deal with this spirit, there is some familiarity you see, before we were saved, we were used to dealing with a spirit of fear. I, I mean, if you think about it, just, just follow me for a moment as we think about what it was like. Right before we were saved, we suffered from all sorts of fears and anxieties. We were afraid not that we weren't gonna have a job. We were afraid that we we're gonna find a mate. You guys remember being scared and praying to the Lord that, you're gonna, that you'd find a husband or a wife? No? Just me, okay. <laughs> and then after you got the husband and your wife, you're praying, God, help me in this relationship. And then, and then you went and you, you were afraid that you, of what your future would look like. And then you were afraid if you were to have a future at all. And then to, to, to compensate for all of these fears, we went out and we bought a, a house and a nice car and we put it on our credit card because we couldn't afford it. And then, and then we, we, we tried to cope with all sorts of things like drugs and alcohol, and we went from relationship to relationship, hoping that the next one would be the one that we would, that would meet our needs, that would satisfy us from the inside out and nothing and no one that we tried to put into that God shaped hole would fill it except for God. And then we came to the final conclusion. A conclusion that said at the altar or maybe by your bedside or sitting in a parked car, Lord, I can't do this on your own. I need you and nothing else, nothing else, not one other thing can do what you can do in my life. I need your forgiveness of sin. I need you to come into my heart and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and come up and and dwell inside of me. Give me your life, God. You remember that? Or has it been too long for you? But then when when we operated out of our lives from fear, God came in and he changed all of it. David wrote in Psalm chapter 34, verse four, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from what? From what? All my fears. You see, people of God, we are not meant to live inside of the spirit of fear. We were meant to have something more. We were meant to live in power. See, when Christ came into our lives, we came under submission to him. We we might have still been broken, but we praised out of our brokenness. You might have been broke, but you praised anyway. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? You, you, you might have you been sick, but when when Christ came in your life and in your body, you praised anyhow. Amen. And as you begin to open up and praise God, I want you to know that is a spiritual thing that began to confuse the enemy in your life. You see, your praise is, is powerful. You're not supposed to be praising whenever you're hurt. Yeah, you, you're not supposed to be praising when you're sick. You're not supposed to be praising God when you're broke. But when you release that praise, it went up to the father and it began to confuse the enemy's plans and they begin to fall short and you begin to get your healing yeah. and you begin to have relationships rest- restored in your life and the spirit of God sprang up in you and caused you to have life where there is, was no life. He spoke to you and your dry bones started to collect themselves again. Amen. Amen. Uh, some, some folks may have forgotten what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. I'm just gonna leave that there for you Bible studyers out there. Just go and look at what happens when you begin to praise whenever all the odds are going up against you. But right now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, Because that was, that was a sermon before the sermon. (laughs) Because I I want you to know that our praise, that we should praise in our prisons. Turn to somebody say praise in the prison. See, Paul knew about this when he was with Silas and they sat in that old jail. Their feet were fastened to the stocks in the inner prison after they were beaten and whipped for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we open up that that word and read that, we find in verse 25 it says, but at midnight, somebody say at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were were listening to them. Oh man. Y'all see there's a message that's about to come on. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. I want to I wanna, I wanna show you some things from this passage of scripture because we have to praise in the prison in the middle of fear, in the middle of what you are supposed to be afraid of, Paul and Silas began to praise and sing. You see, the Bible tells us that it was at midnight, at the moment that it couldn't get any darker. At the moment where there was no light, where there was no hope, where there was no freedom, their feet were in the stocks. They were not in the outer prison, but the inner prison. They couldn't see light, they couldn't see day, there was no one around them. I wonder how many of us kind of feel like that sometimes. I wonder how many of us feel like they're the inside of the prison where you can't see what God has promised for you. You can't hear what God wants to speak to you. You can't see anybody around you living right. Anybody around you succeeding. Maybe you can. Maybe it's a glass prison and everybody around you seems like they're succeeding and you feel trapped in the middle of it all. And when you didn't think it could get any darker in comes despair, the sense of hopelessness, the sense of loneliness, the sense of isolation and that, that feeling, that dreaded feeling that when you pray your prayer just goes straight up to the ceiling and it bounces and falls straight back to the floor. It's the midnight hour. It's the midnight hour. It's the hour where we all get scared. And I believe right now that the church, in America is in a midnight hour where it's time where the spirit of fear would creep inside of the church and begin to control our actions and cause us to be isolated not just from community but from even the word of God and all of a sudden instead of believing in the promises of God our actions are controlled by fear our thoughts are beginning to be controlled by fear we live out of a state of fear but what happened with Paul and Silas? They, they, they didn't stand in that prison. They, they, they didn't sit in that prison. They, they, didn't, they didn't just say, oh me, am I? They, they didn't just sit there and wonder and worry and write letters to the jailer. <laughs> That's not what they did. They began to sing. They began to praise the Lord. They, they began to pray and, and love the Lord and, and praise him. I, I wonder what kind, of, what kind of things that we're in in our lives right now that would just begin to open up when we begin to let praise out of our mouths. When we began to say, Lord, I can't feel you receiving my prayer. I don't know that if you, I, I can't feel you hearing me, but I know God that when I open up my mouth and I begin to praise your name, Lord, something spiritual is happening. I wonder how many people in this room right now, if you just begin to pray and you begin to praise in the midnight hour, I wonder what would happen in your life. The Bible tells us, as we continue to read, that that other prisoners heard them. You see, somebody's always watching you. Didn't you hear that when you were a kid? Somebody's always watching. They're always looking around. You may not see them, you may not feel them, but they're watching you. Paul and Silas couldn't see them, but they were heard. And somebody's always watching you as a, as a Christian in your life. I wonder what would happen if some people heard some of the things that I would say and do in the midnight hour. I wonder sometimes if that, my midnight hour, would glorify Christ. Maybe they'd think I wouldn't be a Christian because I see what Christians act like when they're going through their midnight hour. They say to themselves, They're going through the same thing I am. They have the same kind of attitude I I have. What's so good about being a Christian? But that's not what the prisoners in that jail were talking about with Paul and Silas. See, Paul and Silas began to praise the Lord and the prisoners heard it. And they began to ask each other, what is going on? Why are they so happy? Don't you know that when you get into the inside of the prison, you're going to get beat? Don't, don't you know that you're supposed to be upset? Don't you know that you're supposed to be filled with fear? Because nobody and nowhere can come and reach you in that moment. And the prisoners were confused about what was going on with Paul and Silas. But something happened with the other prisoners. There was a sense of peace and a sense of hope that was just absolutely contagious. As Paul and Silas began to praise, the prisoners heard what was going on. And then the Bible says, immediately there was a a shaking of the foundations of the prison. A shaking of the foundations of prison. And then what happened? Everyone's, somebody say, everyone's, chains were loosed. Can I tell you something that you may be going through a midnight hour in your life? But praising in your pain can free other people's chains. You might have come here to church this morning and you've been feeling down and you've been feeling caught up by the things that you're going through. You might feel oppressed. You might feel depressed. You might feel heavy of spirit. But when you begin to lift up your hands and praise the Lord, not only are your chains getting loose, but your friends chains as they watch you praise and they know what you're going through will begin to fall off. You see there is power in corporate worship. Chains begin to fall off and begin to be loose. So whatever you're going through right now, my challenge to you is begin to praise and watch the chains fall off, but they don't just fall off of you. They can fall off of your family. They can fall off of your neighbors. They can fall off of your friends. They can fall off of people right here in this congregation. As we praise the Lord, we can experience the chains falling off. You see, we are not to be controlled by a spirit of fear. We are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You see, perfect love in Christ drives out every fear. That's why Paul, when he was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter one, verse seven said, for God has not given who? Us, the spirit of fear, but what? Power, and what? And a sound mind. That is the kind of life that we are to live as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. We are not controlled by the spirit of fear that this culture and this nation is controlled by we can walk and operate and speak in total confidence, not because we know what's gonna happen, but we know whose hands it's happening in, amen? So it doesn't really matter how much of God you've got, it matters how much of you God's got in the midst of this. Hallelujah, somebody say amen. I wanna remind you of Christ's legacy that you have the spirit of God living inside of you, and you are not controlled by the spirit of fear. but I want to let let you know that we win in the word. we win in the word. Somebody turn to somebody else and say, "I win in the word." you see. In the midst of our midnight hour, as Christ church praise has been drowned out by the distractions that are coming from our community and from our nation and, and nonsense that is happening all across this globe. And we've forgotten what it means to be able to stand on the promises of the word of God. As a matter of fact, a, a recent Barna study report shows that the Assembly of God churches in America, that, that folks have a high view of of scripture, and that's true of our church. We have a high view of of scripture, significantly higher than the national baseline of churchgoers. However, and this is a big however, that high view does not directly correlate with a high level of Bible engagement. Now that's nerd speak for, There's promises in the word of God, but we don't have enough common sense to open our Bibles and find them and stand on them. This generation, the one that we live in right now, I'm not talking about kids. I'm not talking about 20 somethings. I'm talking about everybody from kids church all the way into their seventies. That's this generation. That means that it doesn't matter If you know that the word of God is important that it is inerrant and that it is necessary to live a holy life, holy and pleasing to the Lord, just because you know it doesn't mean you do it. That's why it's so important that in this generation that we are a church that doesn't just preach the word of God, but does the word of God. We're a church that understands the importance and significance of biblical literacy throughout our community. We're a church that studies the word of God on the regular, on the daily. We're a church that that operates with a unique Bible engagement that other people and even other believers don't engage in. And I want to encourage you, Biblical engagement is so necessary. Again, in the very same letter to Timothy, just a few pages over, Paul encourages Timothy with a word about the word. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 14. Paul speaks to Timothy when he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, that the woman of God, that the people of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I want to show you something that here in this passage of scripture, where Paul outlines something. He says, first of all, that you have known this from childhood. I am delighted beyond what I can even express to you to know that both my son and my daughter and my other son in nursery are are back there with pastor DJ and his volunteers, because I know that whenever they walk out of his class, they're going to walk out knowing a memory verse. They're gonna walk out knowing a Bible story. They're gonna walk out knowing some of the values that I lived my life by. You remember what it was like with those flannel graphs? You remember that? Wasn't that fun? That was simple. I loved it. I grew up with that flannel graph of Moses part in the Red Sea where Moses just kept on falling down. <laughs> you have to pick on Moses and hold his hands up. Somebody say amen. I grew up with that. I knew it from childhood. Roll Rangers in the house. I, 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 I passed my first credentialing exam because I was a Roll Ranger and I knew what the four red points were, the cardinal doctrines of the church, salvation, Holy Spirit and healing and rapture. I grew up on that and it became an integral part of who I am and who I am co- and continuing to become. And I want you to know that that's happening right now to my kids and your kids and your grandkids as you trust the ministry team back there. When you send your youth on down this hall back here, I guarantee that they're hearing the word of God. I guarantee they don't like it sometimes. Somebody say amen. But they're hearing it and God is getting a hold of them and changing them in the altars as we pray and we search for God, he shows up in a powerful way and them to the Holy Spirit with initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. Amen. We're seeing miracles. We're seeing people connected to God and God connecting to people. And that happens in here on Sunday morning I am so excited that this is happening at our church, even from early childhood. And it's happening so that we would have wisdom for the salvation in Christ. It's not just to live a better life. It's not just, it's not just 10 steps to a happier marriage. It's not just encouraging you so that you could get through this week so that you'll just be able to just barely scrape in here on by next week and need a little bit more pick me up encouragement. That's not what it's about. It's about so that you can have a salvation experience necessary for abundant life in Christ. That's what this church is about. That's what we're about. And that the word of God can be good for teaching. We need some teaching in America today. For reproof and correction. We need some correction in America today so that we could be training people in righteousness and equipping them for every good work. You see, the word of God is a necessary component of discipleship. In fact, without the word of God, there is no discipleship. And that's why the Bible Engagement Project is the most necessary thing that our church could participate in right now. For such a time as this, we will train our children and our youth and our young adults and our young families and our elderly and those teachers and preachers and and those people that would want to facilitate groups that we train them in the word of God. That you can have somebody sure that is going to encourage you that you can have a group, a small group of believers that will lift your hands up whenever you can't, don't have the strength or the energy to lift your hands up and pray and ask God for a miracle in your life. But you have that ability Wednesday nights. The word of God is how we win. Finally, I want to share with you that we connect in community. It's much more than the Bible. It's about the community of God, the church. Now, some of you, whenever I said it's much more than the Bible, oh man, oh, that sent a red flag up. I'm glad it did because stay with me because I want to show you something. As this community has been shaped and this culture of America has been shaped by a spiritual, a spiritual fear, right? Spirit of fear, I have had the opportunity as a pastor and a chaplain to counsel church folks and walk-ins and soldiers alike i want to share with you the main points that i am now having to shift to counseling relationship issues suicidal ideation substance abuse depression anxiety and self-harm are among my top things that i am now counseling in because of a spirit of fear that brings depression and anxiety. You see, the spirit of fear has caused a mental health crisis within our community. It's a a mental health crisis. And one of the very first questions that I ask a, a, a young soldier or a person that has come in off the street is, do you have a community of people that would encourage and love you with genuine love, oftentimes the answer is, well, yes, I do. But as we continue to talk, I realize that their community is actually not a genuine community of love and support like the church is. What I find is that people are actually in a crisis of community. And you say, Pastor John, well, thank goodness for Christ's legacy, because you're sitting here and I'm talking to you. And so I'm preaching to the choir, right? But the problem that we're experiencing right now is that if you if your friendship extent here at Christ's legacy is exactly between the chair that you're currently occupying and the front door, and that's the breadth of your relationships here, then you yourself and your family may be on the verge of a crisis of community. And that's why it is so important here at Christ's Legacy that we'd actually engage in this community. Acts chapter five, verse 42. As you turn, I, I want you to understand that what what exactly the components of community in the early church were. And daily scripture says in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. This brief description shows three points that I want to illuminate to us this morning. The first point is this there was one church. Turn to somebody and say one church. Oh man, one church. One church We at Christ's Legacy are one church. We're one church. Yes, there are youth and there's children and there's adults. Yes, we had an adult Bible study and and other stuff going on. Yes, we have all these different departments and ways that you can interact, but we are still one church. There are folks here that love the Gaither Vocal Band. And there are also folks right now currently Googling, what is the Gaither Vocal Band? (laughs) We are folks that are singles, that are couples, that are young families, that are elderly, that are retirees. We're folks that are made up of military and law enforcement. We'll even let lawyers here in here from time to time. Doctors, counselors. Blue collar. White collar. No collar. Got to put a T-shirt to come on in, though. But we're one church. We're one body. One love. Christ he's the unity in us it's love for him one church but then we look and we find out that there are two types of meetings the first meeting they met in the temple that's their congregational meeting that's their Sunday morning church service that's where they worshiped as a corporate body but then they met in every house that's their small group program real simple it's not complicated everybody get together let's love on God together now let's go back to the homes let's open up a I don't know why this sounds so good right now but sloppy joes come on somebody some brisket some watermelon there's people walking out of the church right now Uh, I better go on We open up the Word of God and we talk about how good Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. Two types of meetings, congregational and small groups. And finally, what that passage of Scripture points out is there was only one message. Only one. It was preaching Jesus. That's why it's so significant that whenever I tell you that that the same message that you're hearing whenever you're in small groups on Wednesday night is going to be the same message that the students are hearing that is designed for them to receive. And then it's going to be the same message that your children are going to be hearing that it's designed for them to receive. And believe it or not, there are actually videos and engagements for the nursery that praise God. Somebody is in that nursery loving on your kids and praying for them while they are in there asking God to radically change them and in some way draw their little heart close to him so it will be ready to receive the word in children's church and it'll be ready from children's church to receive the word in youth and whenever they find themselves in a small group community in this place, they're gonna be light years, light years ahead of where we were. God willing, but it all starts with a desire to praise God and break a spirit of fear that is, that is stagnating this planet. For us to stand on the promises of the word of God and believe in them and somehow come back together as a, as a community of believers. That where our, the depth of our relationship isn't about a handshake and a pat on the back and a how you doing on Sunday morning, but it's real life where we get it all all in somebody's business, look them in the eye and tell them, you remember that thing that we ate just now? You still got it in your teeth, but I'm gonna still pray for you. (laughs) How's the job going? Fine. No, it's not. How's your life running? Good. Don't think so. Let's pray, let's pray about that. Let's hold your hands up in prayer. Let's open the word of God and see what God wants to do in our lives. Let's study God's word and find out the promises that we're about to stand and believe on. Let's do something about it. You see, because when we look throughout the passage of scripture in Acts and study the early church, we find out uh, in, in, in Acts, so continuing daily, I believe this is Chapter two, verses forty-two. So continuing day, uh, verse forty-six. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their day to their church daily those who were being saved. I want to show you one simple, very uncomplicated strategy for kingdom multiplication. That is, it's not about the number. It's about the health of the church. And in order to be healthy, we have to come together and love on one another and stand on God's word. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. It's not a one, two, three process. It's not a 12 step program. It's all about loving people, loving God and coming together. Would you stand with me all over this place? Because I want to tell you this This morning, the idea of legacy life, it's not just the message of the Bible, but it's the model of the Bible as well. Not just living the message. It's living the model of the message. This morning, I don't know what is going on in your life. I don't know if you have something that is just disturbing you. So much so, it's such a distraction in your life that it's hard to even come up with the words to describe what you're going through. Maybe this morning you might be living in what I described as the midnight hour. I'd like to invite our prayer partners to come on down. I didn't prepare them for this, please. Just have some patience as we set up. I I, I wanna invite you to come down and pray right now. Wherever you are, If you're going through something, and matter of fact, if you look around this congregation and you know somebody's going through something, I want you just to reach out and grab a hold of their hand and bring them on down and begin to pray uh, as we pray. If you're a facilitator, if you are a a leader in our church, you are a prayer partner, please come on down. And online, if you're joining us online, maybe, just maybe, you are sitting in your chair. You're listening to this message. Maybe it's not right now, maybe it's, it's a week later and something is going on in your life, you're struggling with, it's your midnight hour, would you just close your eyes, lift up your hands and begin to praise God and see God do a miracle? I wanna open these altars for a time of prayer with with the students back in the youth room. Sometimes I have to say, on your mark, get set, go. So right now, if there is something in your life that you wanna pray about, and you want to combine your faith with somebody else and do a biblical thing, a spiritual thing, right here, right now, I want you to begin to come down now. And your market said, go, let's go. Come on, let's step out and begin to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we love you, we praise you, Jesus. You're worthy, God, in this place.